0: Welcome to the Get to Vet podcast, where we bridge the knowledge gaps in the military transition process so you can focus on what's ahead.
1: Hey, Get to Vet listeners, this is Mike. And now for my personal disclaimer, although I am active duty military, I'm not an official spokesperson of the United States Navy. Any of my views expressed on the Get to Vet podcast are based on my personal experience. Thanks for listening.
0: Hey there, Get to Vet. Trevor Maxwell here on this beautiful uh, Virginia
1: morning. And with me as always, Mike Riggs. And this is going to be one of my uh, favorite topics. We're going to talk about some uh, great stuff about retirement. We've got a great guest today. Um, I I think this is going to be a a really informative episode. Y'all need to listen up. Yeah.
0: Cause we talk a lot about, you know, what's the stuff outside of the official, um, you know, DOD provided uh, transition resources. And so we were like, you know, it's maybe it would be a good idea to talk to some folks who, who have the inside track on what those official uh, resources do for people. And, you know, one thing I was really impressed with, I always look at stuff of around transition and, I came across the Soldier for Life uh, website, which I thought was awesome. Um, we don't have anything like that for the Navy that I've seen. And so it reminded me of a, a conversation I had with our guest today, Mark Overberg. Uh, he and I had chatted, I don't know, probably a year ago. I think you had reached out to me on LinkedIn and you were like, Hey, you know, I see you posting all this stuff about alternatives to survivor benefit plan and VGLI. And I think we talked for like a, it was like an hour or an hour and a half, but um, I, I wanted to have him come on the show today. So that's our guest, Mark Overberg. I'll let him introduce himself.
2: Oh yeah. Hey, listen, uh, Trevor and Mike, I really appreciate you having me on your podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah. So my name Mark Overberg and I'm the director of army retirement services in the Army G1 headquarters department of the army. So in a nutshell what I do for the army is I'm the army program and policy guy for preparing 30,000 soldiers to retire every year and then to take care of 1 million retired soldiers and 250,000 surviving spouses.
0: Man, that's a <laughs> that's a significant amount of of stuff to handle and uh you know, I, you know, again, I I think it's good to start with that resource that you guys have, the soldier for life, because, um, you know, my own personal experience when I retired, I had this attitude and I think it's just something that a lot of active duty service members and, and newly transitioned veterans have where, you know, the way that we're set up in the service, people have jobs and they're supposed to focus on those jobs. And, You know, some of that stuff, personnel type work, right? That's, you know, people say, well, why don't you do this for me? That's your job, right? My attitude has shifted over the last few years to where it's like, hey, you need to own this yourself, right? You need to take charge of this. You shouldn't be asking, why isn't somebody else doing this for me? You should be saying, how do I do this for myself? And that's just kind of, you know, based off of my experiences over the last few years, I think that that's the way that we should be getting people in that mind frame to do that. And, you know, when I looked at that, that, um, website soldier for life, I was like, wow, man, why doesn't the Navy have something like this? Because there's tons of great information on there. Like a lot of the questions that people have about transitioning would get answered inside some of the material that's on that website.
2: Yeah. The, uh, soldier for life, program was actually created by then the Chief of Staff of the Army, General Odierno, back in 2012. Uh, and, and then we built the Soldier for Life website from there. Um, and at that time, my office was merged in with a brand new office that General Odierno had created, the Soldier for Life office. Um, and so we, we cooperate on a lot of things. And so they've got a part of the website, and I actually maintain the website. So it's a place for resources for anybody who is either transitioning or retiring. Uh, and so uh, the idea is to put the resources there for whenever anybody's ready for them.
0: Yeah. Odierno's. is a, I, I like him. He's a good dude. I, I met him, uh, on my second Iraq deployment when he was the commander there. Um, I, you know, it seemed like he was one of those flag officers that, uh, you know, I never met anybody that didn't really like him a lot. And, uh, I was like, Oh wow. So that doesn't surprise me that he was, he was the guy that does that. So, but what are,
2: you know, some of the big, uh, big things that you guys handle on there? So uh, let me, uh, parse it a little bit. Um, so my, my side is the retirement services side. So I'll, I'll talk, ai can talk a little bit about the other side. Um, but I won't go into a lot of detail. I'll leave that for the, for those folks. But, um, the, uh, there are different parts to transition. Um, there is uh, employment, there is education, there is health and wellness. Um, and so the Soldier for Life office has folks who are specialists in each of those areas to, uh, to get into the issues and then to, uh, to provide that material out off through the website and through uh, other visits. Um, the retirement services part, um, when you come there, you can see that we break it out into a, a variety of areas. But primarily, there's a retirement planning part and then a post-retirement part. Um, and so, the uh, the idea behind Soldier for Life, actually, to to be honest, one of the big reasons that General Indierno created the program, yeah, he had to, at that time had two two challenges. Um, one is he had a lot of goodwill from outside DOD that wanted to help hire vets. Uh, and so he needed some, some ability to manage that. He couldn't, obviously, handle it all himself. Uh, and so that was part of the reason he created the office. The other part was at that time, back in 2011, the Army was paying, you know, the services pay unemployment compensation. I don't know if you know that. So, when, it, when a service member gets out, and if they don't get a job and they apply for unemployment, the service is the one that pays that. Uh, so, in 2011, the Army paid $515 million in unemployment compensation, a half a billion dollars in one year. And then, then mm-hmm. the problem with that is the, that money is the same money coming out of the operations and maintenance account that pays soldiers' salaries pays for their training, pays for their equipment, TDY, all those things. And so money that we have to give to the states for unemployment compensation is money you can't spend on soldiers and, and the families and their training and their equipment. So so that's why he created the program, and that's why the, the website was built to do.
0: I remember uh, one of our earlier guests, uh, Matt Quick, he's a retired Army sergeant major, worked at, I don't know if you ever worked with him, because I think he, He worked at uh, headquarters there for a while, but we, he talked about that. He's like, yeah, that was kind of the genesis of the DOD skill bridge program was to help alleviate, you know, some of that.
2: Uh, Yeah. The army's got its own counterpart. Of course, we have to have a different name. It's the career skills program. Uh, But uh, yeah, the army has that as well and develop other transitioning resources like uh, credentialing assistance uh, so that people can, use what we call transition assistance funds to develop, to receive those credentials that'll help them find employment afterwards. So now we're going down, we're going down the track. I said we weren't going to go but uh, um, so let's, let's try to steer back into, into my life and yeah, talk yeah. about retirement. Right.
1: So I do have to tell a General Odierno's story. When I worked up on Capitol Hill, they would play some of the uh, committee hearings because sometimes we would have to staff members, the member that we work for, and we have to staff them in committee hearings. And one of the ones that they would play for us often would be the one with General Odierno on a House Armed Services Committee hearing and his interaction with, it was I think it was Representative Gates from uh, Florida District 1, where Representative Gates was kind of questioning General Odierno about his uh, potential lack of taking care of soldiers or something like that Needless to say it lit a fire under the general, and he fired back with both barrels. And it didn't turn out the same way uh, that I think the the uh, the member thought it was going to work for him. And the chairman actually let it continue instead of normally the chairman would have stopped it or it would have told the general to put him in, put himself in check, but. I think the, the chairman thought it was such a bad thing going. He just let the general continue. It was an, it was, it, it's an inspirational thing to see and watch how the general really let him have it about how he was taking care of soldiers. Cause I think he is such a passionate man and, a, and such a great servant leader on how he, he did take care of soldiers. And I think he continues to do so. And his legacy continues.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he was uh, sort of a visionary leader with respect to that. And, uh, you know, we uh, really enjoyed it. I hated to see him retire, but, uh, you know, we all have to do that. If if, uh, if we're all successful, I mean, that's what we lead to eventually is retirement.
0: Yeah. So I, I know you, you said you wanted to get back on track. Um, <laughs> I'll, you know, let you continue on. Um, but uh, w- real quick, too. So, one of the things that I thought was really neat uh, that the, that the, we had talked about before is like the Army actually has um, paid employees that are dedicated to that, to the, you know, I think you guys call them retirement service
2: officers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's something that's, I guess, a little different than the other services. The Army puts a little more resources into this. Um, And and we can talk about the reasons for that. Uh, But uh, yeah, so the Army has at most Army installations, not everyone, uh, some of the smaller ones, they don't have it, but most Army installations, both in the US and abroad, um, we have what we call retirement services officers. Then those are predominantly, uh, they are government civilian employees. Some of them are retired uh, soldiers themselves. Uh, we even had a retired sailor at, uh, years back up at uh, Fort Drum, New York, who was the RSO. Um, but uh, so they're, they're uh, government civilians mostly. There are a few contractors. Uh, I think Fort Eustis, uh, Mike, is, is actually a contractor. Um, and so what their job is to do is to implement the program. The, for the Army, the retirement services program picks up when a soldier is about three years out from retirement whenever they plan to do that. And that retirement services officer is the person they're gonna talk to, is gonna walk them through the whole process to retirement. And then when that soldier retires, that RSO will continue to support that individual, that soldier and their family for the rest of their lives. So we pick them up three years out and then we're with them through retirement and for the rest of their lives. Uh, And so, yeah, there's a great continuum of service there um, from the retirement services officers. And and Mm -hmm. I think we talked before a little bit about it. Um, In the Army, the retirement services officers have to be certified. So they have to go through a program of certification in two areas. One is the overall retirement services program. So they know what they're talking about uh, when they counsel soldiers. And the other part is a specific certification in the survivor benefit plan, which if you've delved into that, Trevor, and so you know that that can be a very complicated thing to explain and and, uh, to make sure you advise people right, because the survivor benefit plan, of course, is a lifelong decision. Once you make Mm -hmm. that before you retire, that's it. That's your decision for life. Uh, There's... One small way to get out of it, but other than that, it's a, it's a lifelong decision. So, so the RSOs, yeah, are the are the the face of the Army's Retirement Services program. Well, okay, uh, go ahead,
1: Mike. I I just think that's uh, you know when I go back to Little Creek and I'm walking on base, somebody's going to smack me in the back of the head for saying this, but I think you know <laughs> uh, I don't normally you know I'm a third year bias type of person having spent, you know, those 30 years in the Navy, but I got to hand it to the army on this one. I think it's outstanding that you guys are doing this because, and I'm extremely jealous of the fact that you are having gone through this process, you know, and it being, you know, 34 days from my retirement date, I, you know, probably by the time we air this, I'll be, you know, a couple of weeks out, but it, it would be great to, get on to get the, you know, the, the Navy on board with this, I, I think, you know, the fact is that, especially from a, you know, when we look at it from the 20 year plus types of folks, we, you know, you come in and you're, you're institutionalized via a drill sergeant or OCS or the academies or whatever, and you're, 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 you're brought into this organization, you know, the military. And then depending on how you exit and when you exit, you know, but the 20 year mark and in, in, in the case of the, of the, you know, the Navy, I think um, we're, we we do not do, we, we, we do as best that we can, but I don't think we do as well as we should, as far as like mentoring. What it seems to me is what you guys are doing is a solid job. Someone paid and dedicated to mentor soldiers, on their way out. And then once they're out the soldier for life program, they have a mentor for life. They have that program that's established that's there. And so, you know, it's, it's such a time of anxiety for someone to include me to do this period of transition where you don't know what you don't know because you've been inside the fence for so long. And especially during times like these where we've been at war for 20 years and you've been focused on, and like Trevor and I's case, we were EOD techs, you know, so we were a lot of times focused on just living, you know, and so, and we finally made it through Um, now it's like, okay, we live now. What, you know, and then you develop a certain set of skills of your leadership and, uh, you know, all the risk management and we get, you know, Trevor and I have, have, uh, you know, degrees and things like that. And then when somebody finally opens up the front gate, you really don't know what's out there. And there's so many options in trying to figure out what to do, but having someone, a paid mentor who's certified qualified and knows what to do, I think is just, it's outstanding. And I, and I really, think the other services really need to get behind what
2: you're doing, and hats off to you all. You know, this is probably a good opportunity to explain why. Why do you do that? Why does the Army do that? And uh, the easiest way to explain that is the is the soldier for life mindset. So when you leave the Army, you know, we believe that you are and we've we kind of borrowed this originally from the Marines, but we've expanded on uh, we believe you are a soldier for life, um, and we believe that if we do a proper job of transitioning you back to civilian service after three years or after thirty, you're going to be the Army's advocate wherever it is you go and whoever you talk to. Um, the in terms of retirement. Um, I, I talk about the Army's retired community as its as the Army's fourth component. So obviously the Army has three main components everybody knows about, active duty, Army National Guard and Army Reserve. What we don't really talk about is the unofficial fourth component, which is the retired community. And it's interesting that the we have a million retired soldiers. We have a million soldiers in uniform. So the Army's... Combined, if you count up the guard reserve and active duty, we got a million soldiers. So the army's retired community is as large as the uniform in uniform community. And so the the idea there is that the retired community is an asset for the army. Um, and if we take care of them, if we transition them well, and then we take care of them in retirement, we're going to be able to uh, help with a couple things. Um, we we say that. Uh, Retired soldiers have a mission statement uh, and it's called Hire and Inspire. We made it easy on, on, on folks like me to remember that. Um, so it's an easy talking point. Uh, the higher part, what we want retired soldiers to do is to help veterans get jobs, not just army veterans, but any veteran. Uh, to help veterans, you know, if they can hire them, obviously hire them. If they, they can refer them to job openings they know of. Make connections, mentor them, all those kind of things. That's going to be good for the Army. the uh, The inspire part of the mission statement actually is broken out into two parts. Uh, the first part is to inspire America's youth to join the military as we did. You know, by setting an example, by talking to them, explaining what their Army career did for them so that they can understand. And and a lot of times, you know, recruiters, army recruiters are generally younger soldiers. Uh, They look closer to the the folks they're trying to recruit. Old, old, Old people like me, you know, they're not necessarily gonna listen to. But the people that retired soldiers can talk to that can help with that are talking to coaches, teachers, parents who have questions and may or may not, you know, want to talk to a recruiter. Maybe talk to somebody who's been there and has had a career. And can explain it. Someone that looks like them. Um, so, there's that. That's the one part of the hire. Uh, expire, excuse me. That's one part of the uh, inspire. The second part of inspire is to inspire Americans. There's a. There's. A, you may have heard the term civil military divide. In, in the United States, there is the military and there is civilians. And over the last, well, I'll give you some statistics. In 1960, 40% of all American males over the age of 14 were veterans. So 40% of all American males. So everybody knew a veteran. It was their brother, it was their father, their uncle, Uh, their neighbor, everybody knew a veteran. That was in 1960, 40%, almost half. That's because we're coming out of World War II, we're coming out of Korea. And so there were lots of veterans. In 2020, there are only 7% of Americans, all Americans, because now we count female veterans. There weren't many female veterans back then. Um, So now only 7% of Americans are veterans. So Americans really don't encounter veterans very often. And so what we want here is, is retired soldiers to tell their army stories. They have to help us bridge that civil military divide and explain to Americans what it means to be in the service and, and the benefits of service and to translate some of the things that they're seeing in the news. So the the you know, by acknowledging who they are using that soldier for life logo, either the lapel pin or on the bumper sticker. I self-identify as a soldier for life that opens up conversations with Americans. And so part of the, uh, the second part of how inspire is to inspire Americans to understand and to trust their military.
1: I used right. very similar data that you just used to help explain why I thought the suicide rate was so high today than it was you know, back in the four, I used, I went back to the World War II era, post-World War II era when there were so many veterans back then walking around and you could walk down Main Street America and you could find so many folks that understood, you know, what it was like to go through what you went through and, and you went and played sports or you were in a motorcycle club or you were in the American Legion like my grandfather and then the Shriners and so on and so forth and they had that common bond. Whereas nowadays when people... You know, they they leave the front gate of Fort Bragg, and they go to you know middle of, of Kansas. They they lose that connection, and they they have no one, and they feel like they've lost their belonging, and they have no connection anymore. And I I think that's uh, part of the problem with that epidemic is, and I even see it with you know friends of you know guys that we serve with, you know they'll they'll talk about when they move away that they the biggest thing they miss. When they, they they can't stay in Virginia Beach but they come back to Virginia Beach and they absolutely love hanging out with the Brotherhood. You know and, and then they complain about Virginia Beach. They can't stand Virginia Beach and they want to go back. But it's the one thing that they miss where they're at is the fact that they just do not have that and they don't have people that understand what it's like to have that. Yeah
2: that that is that is one of the things that we don't talk about enough. Um I've been trying to explore that uh, both on, through LinkedIn, you know, conversations on LinkedIn, but also um, through one of the, we put out a number of publications from my office. Uh, one of them is the Army's Retirement Planning Newsletter called Change of Mission. And I'll explain to you how we came up with that name. Um, just this morning, uh, I read an article that was written by... He's a retired command sergeant major. It'll actually show up in the October edition. He submitted his his article. It's a column we have in that newsletter called Lessons Learned. And what it is, is I I talk to recently retired soldiers, some officers, NCOs, warrants, a mix, even some spouses. And they write this column. And the purpose of the column is to, to talk to those soldiers who have or within three years of retirement and say, hey, you know, if I knew then what I know now, I'd, I'd be much better off. So here's what I've learned that you need to know about. And so when you come to the Soldier for Life website uh, and you come to the retirement part of it, one of the uh, the little icons there is for change of mission. You can go in and read the newsletters. It'd be interesting. Uh, one of the reasons I put them all on there is that, uh, you can go back to previous editions and read Lessons Learned column back for, it's only been in, we're uh, hitting the end of our third year uh, of the newsletter, but you can read other Lessons Learned and, and the collection of them will, will help people in their transition. So anybody can come in. If, if you know a sailor uh, or sailors who would benefit from it, they can come read the Army's newsletter, it's fine. We're, we're happy to, to help there. Um, So uh, just to ramble on for a minute here, the change of mission, why why we pick that as the name for the newsletter, and it gets back again to the soldier for life mindset. What I tell soldiers is when you retire from the Army, your mission is going to change, but your duty will not. So no longer are you training and deploying to fight and win our nation's wars. When you retire, when you take the uniform off. So you're not doing that anymore, but you still have a mission and we still need you. That's when I roll into explaining the higher the mission statement, hire and inspire. So there is the end of service doesn't happen when you take off the uniform. You still have a duty to the country uh, and we still need you. It's a different mission. That's what I was talking about with, you know, connecting Americans with their military, telling their army stories. There's a... uh, Another example of that is uh, a pilot program we just started. I think I referred earlier in this podcast uh, about uh, using the the retired community as an asset for the military. And so what we've been doing, it's actually two years in development. Now we're actually starting the pilot. Um, When a, a service member passes away, the Army provides a casualty assistance officer. And I know the Navy and the Air Force and the Marines do it as well. To assist the family in uh, the burial and the, the benefits um, and taking care of you know what happens afterwards. So there, the army policy is to allow is to provide casualty assistance officers to the surviving spouses of retired soldiers. So if I died today, my wife could ask for a casualty assistance officer, and the army would provide it. But the army doesn't have enough casualty assistance officers in uniform to do that for the retired community because we're so large, and because you know we're at that end of, of life that the death comes more frequently. So what we're trying we're trying out here is we've trained up a number of volunteers in the uh, areas of uh, it's run out the pilots run out of Fort Stewart, Georgia. So they their casualty assistance area is the the coastal counties of of Georgia and in all of Florida, except for the Panhandle. So if a retired soldier in that area passes away, the spouse can ask for a casual assistance officer and they'll get one. What they'll get is a volunteer retired soldier who has been trained to be a casual assistance officer. Oftentimes um, spouses don't know what benefits the the retiree gets and um, doesn't under, know who to talk to or, or what networks to to plug into in order to do the things that need to be done after the death of a retired soldier and so the retired soldier casual assistance officer is is a volunteer position these retired soldiers will do for the army and if that uh hopefully that pilot will go well and if it does then we'll start spreading it out across the army again it's part of the soldier life mindset you know that uh even after retirement, we still need you.
1: I think that's an yeah. understanding idea.
2: Yeah, no, that's
0: uh, that's definitely cool because that's, you know, especially if it's somebody who's been retired for, for decades because think about it, like how often do they really go back and, and look at the benefits and all that and, and stay on top of everything? It's I get, I could see maybe if somebody was terminally ill and they're like, hey, we need to go back and look like, what, what do I get from this program? But, you know, that's, I, I have to go back all the time and reread stuff because I forget things from three years ago. Um, so and, I couldn't and, imagine 30 years ago.
2: Well, and, and things change. Uh, a lot of the benefits change based off of changes in law and like you're familiar with the survivor benefit plan. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're familiar with the, uh, the offset uh, with dependency and indemnity compensation from the mm-hmm. VA. And so that law, the, the, the offset is being eliminated it'll be gone by the 1st of January, 2023, but that's a change in law that is uh, something that the spouses won't know that. Uh, mm-hmm. the, in, the, in this case, the retired soldier casual assistance officer, he's not gonna be a survivor benefit plan expert, but he knows who is and he can hook the spouse up with the retirement services officer and make sure all of that gets done properly yeah no that's that's
0: definitely a good one. I know another big one that that you know Mike and I uh, have have discussed before and it's I think is equally important Mike talks about it all the time because in his transition brief they really didn't talk about it at all was tricare right mm-hmm. for retirees that's a huge one because i I actually get a lot of people question you know sending me messages on LinkedIn, like, Hey, do you know anything about TRICARE? And so I, I was fortunate enough that like in Virginia, when you get licensed to do a cell life insurance, you also have to get licensed for health insurance too. So I'm, I'm knowledgeable in health insurance. I don't work in that, but that helped me along with kind of putting together some, some material on TRICARE. Um, however, you know, not everybody gets that. Right. So um, a lot of folks, it's just, you know, they retire without ever really knowing about it. They just say, hey, yeah, call this person here. They'll do everything, tell you everything you need to know.
2: And, and there's, there are some potholes along that uh, path that retiring service members should know about. And, and in the TRICARE one, um, one of the uh, misunderstandings is what the law allows Um so just because you retire doesn't mean that there was never actually you'll hear this in veteran circles. I was, I was uh, promised health care for life. That's true. You were promised health care for life. If you retire. Um, but what, what they don't remember is the, the last part of that sentence. The last part of that sentence says on a space available basis. So if you say, so let's say you retire and you live uh, uh, outside of a military treatment facility and you think I'm going to go in there and get care for myself and my spouse because you're a retiree, that doesn't, that doesn't mean you will. It's up to the commander of each military treatment facility to determine who he can see in the retired community. So he may not see any retirees at all, or he may see a limited number uh, of them. And so, yeah, that that is a uh, it is a challenge. So I, I'll give you a personal uh, situation. That happened to me. As I was retiring, I went to this MTF, and I said, hey, you know, I'm retiring. And they said, yeah, well, that's great. Congratulations, but you can't come here. Can't be. My family was being seen there. I was seen at a different clinic. She said, "You can't come here, and, and your family has to go." And I said, "Why?" Because we don't have the capacity here to take care of retirees and their families. So I said, "Okay, fine." Um, and I asked my wife to start calling doctors in our local area to to set up Tricare coverage with them. And one of the challenges she found was every single doctor she called said the same thing. Um, I'm sorry, but we're taking no new Tricare patients, and so doctors don't necessarily have to accept Tricare. And many times they don't because the payment rates are less than what they get from commercial uh, health insurance, and so yeah, there are potholes, and and so knowing uh, knowing those things um, is important. There's some potholes for the res- rich, the. Um, Reservists and National Guardsmen as well uh, when they transition. So yeah. yeah. I could go into a whole hour of TRICARE.
0: That's the, uh, well, me too. <laughs> That's the same thing here at Portsmouth Naval Hospital. Um, you know, they were like, hey, you, uh, you know, I had to go get, um, uh, what do you call it, an update on the my uh, CPAP. I had to do a follow-up mm-hmm. and they said, yeah, we don't, we don't see retirees anymore. Um, you, You have to go, especially me, because I was uh, TRICARE Select instead of Prime. They said, yeah, we don't see retirees anymore. You have to go somewhere out in town. And they said, even if you are Prime, we still won't see you here at the hospital. So, you know, Mike and I were talking about this, and I had found out because there's a guy that lives down the street from me. He's a retired Navy captain who was a doctor, worked at Portsmouth. He said, yeah, TRICARE actually has uh, clinics, like off base, like out in town. And we found out there's one right down the street from us in our neighborhood. Um, but again, you know, I called there and I was like, Hey, I saw that you guys did this. And they said, well, we only see patients who are enrolled in TRICARE prime. Um, but I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, my, my wife's doctor, um, I got into her office only because my wife was already a patient there. They said like, yeah, had your wife not already been a patient, we wouldn't have accepted you. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so.
2: So, so that brings up a great point. Uh, in, in the retirement preparation, uh, you know, people, um, soldiers sometimes say you know, that uh, they just don't understand how much time it takes to prepare to retire. And when I tell them you wanna spend 24 to 36 months doing this, um, they're like, looking at me like I have two heads. Um, there are a lot of things that they they don't, they don't know, uh, potholes or things, decisions they have to make. And if they procrastinate, then they're either not going to know it and miss that decision or they're going to make a poor decision because they haven't gathered the information that they need.
1: Especially when you start looking at that survivor benefit plan and that life insurance piece and whether you're going to go and you're, you're going to not go with survivor benefit plan. You need to really be ahead of that, because if you're not, and you start doing the VA stuff and that ball starts to get rolling and then, you know, the, the, whoever you're dealing with outside of the survivor benefit plan starts dragging their feet and, you know, COVID hits and those things don't get processed fast. Then the next thing you know, you can find yourself behind the eight ball or completely denied. And then you're left with just survivor benefit plan and that's what you get you have one option
2: yeah yeah and you know VGLI you can always get VGLI but that's expensive and the older you get the more expensive it gets VGLI is a good option for people who can't get commercial life insurance and so you know timing of all these things and sequencing them it it takes that's that's part of what in the army the retirement service officers are trained to know is how to to help coach along and sequence it so I'm going to make a quick plug here and this, anybody can do this, any service. If you come to the Soldier for Life website and you come into the retirement portion, you click on retirement planning, what you'll see there uh, amongst other things, you're gonna see the, the US Army Retirement Planning Guide. Uh, and if you open up into chapter two, it lays out from 36 months to retirement, the things you should be thinking about and doing in, in, in a process to get you there. So, and that's a PDF. Anybody can download it. Yeah. That's, that's cool. I'm going to
0: have to get, I've, I've looked through it before I didn't read the whole thing, but uh, yeah, I, it's like what Mike was saying. Like, if you're looking for that stuff, you know, you should be planning that two years out because you know, you, you know, the whole thing about private life insurance is you have to qualify for that. Right. And, and that's based off of how old you are and how healthy you are. So if you wait, to do it because you saw somebody on a Facebook group or something like that say, no, you just wait till you're six months out. That's terrible advice because now you're also at the same time, you're also getting all this new stuff put into your medical record. And, um, (laughs) you know, it's, it's two things that are, they're not, that don't mix well together. So, sure but yeah, that's good. So, uh, yeah. And I, unfortunately I have that a lot like as I'm you know people that that call me and say hey I'm looking for alternatives to this stuff as we go through that process of, of seeing what they qualify for it's like hey yeah I'm sorry man we we can't get you qualified for anything because you know really what it came down to was they waited too long to go through that process um, and so it's you know I hate I hate it like when I can't help somebody with that but I mean that's that's the thing that's why I always try to tell people like do that sooner than than what the Facebook groups tell you because honestly it's like if you don't work in this work in this particular industry you don't see all the stuff that happens and could go wrong you know you shouldn't be giving other people advice on it because you could you know seriously You know that's a costly decision if you don't do it right. So, um, along with the the Tricare stuff, now I didn't know, I didn't see it on there. Maybe I wasn't looking hard enough. Do you guys deal with anything as far as information uh, or or advice on like the navigating the VA process? Because that's another healthcare uh, resource that you you know Mike and I have talked to people who work with the VA about this all the time, and it's it's sad because you only hear the bad news about what happens at the VA. You know, you, you don't hear all the good stories.
2: Yeah. The, the VA has uh, gets sometimes unfairly a bad rap. Um, The, we do talk about uh, the VA part in, in probably the biggest thing for in terms of retirement planning um, is we strongly encourage Soldiers who are retiring to use what's called the, the, the VA's Benefits Delivery at Discharge Program, where they apply for VA disability compensation while they're still on active duty, and they can apply, you know, that 180 days out. Um, so that is supposed to uh, ease and speed up the transition and are if they are eligible for compensation that should start up shortly after they retire. Um, it's a longer process if you apply after retirement. So so we try to, to get them, all of that is sequenced. What you just referred there is, is, this is part of why you have to sequence events because you're talking about when do you apply for VA disability compensation? Well, if I wanna do that you know, 90 to 180 days mm-hmm. out from retirement, you have to sequence that with when you get that retirement physical done, and you've got to sequence that for when you apply for commercial life insurance. And, and so all that stuff gets crashed and, and it'll crash, uh, you know, and, and cause you some stress as you're trying to retire, cause your family stress. Uh, definitely not a good thing. Uh, and we'll, if I can, talking about stress, I want to throw a shout out to the VA, uh, since we're talking about them. There's a program, maybe you've heard of it. Uh, it's a, a pilot program that the VA is working with the Army right now. It's called ETS Sponsorship. And if you wanna go to the website, it's a VA website called etssponsorship.com. The, what they did is they took the, the Army has a program called Sponsorship, the Army Sponsorship Program. And what that's designed to do is When soldiers move from one base, army base to the next, before they move, they get a sponsor at their new base. So when they and their family get to the new base, there's some as a friendly person that they know there who helps guide them into housing, schools, uh, new unit, and, and it just reduces the amount of stress involved in the transition to a new base. So what the VA is doing is taking that and doing it for the final move when soldiers ETS that's the expiration of term of service when they leave after you know could be three years all the way through retirement and so the uh the the concept of the ETS sponsorship programs is they will assign you if you ask for a sponsor they will assign you a sponsor in the area where you're moving to either ETSing to or retiring to and the sponsor will will start communicating six months before you leave through six months after you arrive in that place to make sure that you have a good smooth transition into your new area, introducing you to people, introduce, you know, helping you, uh, maybe find employment, um, places to live, things to do, you know, it's, it's designed, it's a, it's a mental health, uh, basis behind this is to reduce the amount of stress when you leave the service. Um, And so one of the reasons uh, I I raise it is because um, the uh, Lieutenant Colonel Joe Gerasi, who is, he's a retired army Lieutenant Colonel who's running it. They are ramping the program up. And over the next year, they need 2000 more sponsors, they train the sponsors uh, to perform that role. Uh, And so it's a good thing. And if you are in a position where you can volunteer to be a sponsor, you don't have to be a veteran to be a sponsor. Uh, I urge people to go to etssponsorship.com and read about it. Um, I
1: think that's an outstanding program. And I actually had an idea similar to that. And this is the first I'm hearing of the ETS sponsorship because I think Trevor and I were talking about this, um, maybe a month or two ago or I was talking to somebody about it some type of mentor or finding a mentor on the way out. And this is, you know, this is a, you know, a mentor on the way out, formally assigned, you know, via the VA through this program. And that's awesome. I, I'd absolutely sign up to, I'm not out yet, but I, you know, come October 1st, I absolutely sign up to do this. I think that's awesome. That'd be another great way to give back to the community.
2: Absolutely,
0: yeah, I like it. Um, that's uh, yeah. Maybe I'll volunteer for that. Um, <laughs> I'm already volunteering with like three different nonprofits. So, but um, a couple other things to to hit on too that I, I think is important. The um, is it CDRP or CRDP? The concurrent uh, disability and retirement pay.
2: Yeah, CRDP. Kind of- concurrent retirement disability pay.
0: Yeah. I, that's, that's something that, you know, there's a lot of confusion around people don't understand because, you know, I've, I've talked to people before. They're like, well, you can't get a pension and disability can you? And I'm like, yeah, actually you can. So I was hoping maybe we could dive into that
2: real quick. Sure. Um, the, for CRDP, the, the, the there's a couple of, two hurdles and a couple particulars to know about. If you want to read more about it, first off, you can go to the My Army Benefits website and go into the benefits, the federal benefits uh, fact sheets, and there's a, a long explanation of it. Um, so, and it's My Army Benefit. You can Google My Army Benefits and you'll get it. Um, but it, you, the couple particulars are you have to be retired and collecting retired pay. to to be eligible for it. Uh, And then the two big hurdles are that you have to have a VA disability rating, a total VA disability rating of 50% or higher. And and you have to have been retired for 20 years. So if you got medically retired, say, with 18 years, you wouldn't qualify. you got to have the 20 years and at least a 50% disability rating. If you're short of that, you're going to have what's called the offset. every dollar of VA disability compensation you get, you have to agree to waive an equal amount of retired pay. So that's the dollar for dollar offset that's been actually in existence since 1890. Um, CRDP came about in 2004. Uh, and so it's designed to, especially for the most severely disabled, to give them all of their retired pay and all of their VA disability compensation. That's something that uh, you don't have to apply for. Um, when you're collecting retired pay, if the VA rates you 50% or higher, and VA bumps files with DFAS on a monthly basis. And so when when you get that rating, it's 50% or above, VA is gonna tell DFAS that via a file bump. DFAS is gonna realize that and they're gonna then provide you the CRDP. So, for this program you don't have to do anything as long as you make sure the va has your rating and it's over
0: 50%. Okay, good. Yeah. I I, I forgot. I remembered after you said that. But it was like, okay, you want to get at least 50% va disability. I couldn't I was like, I remember there's one qualification that that I'm not remembering right now, but that that was it.
2: There's one exception I didn't mention. If you retired under TARA, but there's not many people who did. The Temporary Early Retirement Authority, that was back in the, the 90s. Yep. If you retired under Terra, you'd also be qualified with less than 20 years. But there's, there's not a lot of folks who were. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there, there's another big
0: one that uh, people ask about too. So one thing I'll say about the CRDP is You know, if you don't get the 50 percent, that offset um, is, in my opinion, it's worth it because your pension, um, at least at a federal level, you know, state level depends on which state you live in, but that's taxable income to you. So whereas VA disability is not. So even if you is if those dollars are offsetting each other, it's still to your benefit because that VA disability isn't counted as taxable income to you. So there's another one that's really important, especially for, you know, the millions of people who have served in, in a combat zone uh, when it comes to retirement pay, the um, the combat related, what is it? Specialty compensation? Special compensation. Yep. Yeah. Can we talk about that for real quick?
2: Yeah. So combat related special, well, let me backtrack real quick to uh, com- concurrent retirement disability pay. Um, The conditions that are factored into that are any service connected conditions So, sleep apnea through uh, losing a limb everything is covered under that. So under this one concurrent uh, excuse me uh, combat related special compensation, this was actually created in 2002 uh, by Congress and it's designed to help people who uh, are incur disabilities related to combat. And so the thing to know here is that the, there are slightly different hurdles and different categories. Um, it is only for um, combat-related disabilities. And those fall into four broad categories. So if, you, if your disability or your condition was something that actually happened in combat, it would be covered if it was as a result of uh, training for combat. So to give you some examples, let's say uh, you uh, got your kneecap shot in in combat. Okay, that would be covered. If you were training for combat, you're training to deploy, to go to combat, and you wrenched your knee during the field training exercise, uh, and that eventually became a Service connected disability, that would be covered. If you uh, injured yourself through a uh, a hazardous duty, so something like you guys, EOD techs, you're receiving hazardous duty pay for that. There are other folks, uh, folks on um, diving and scuba duty, parachute duty, anywhere thing where you're getting hazardous duty pay, if you incur an injury through that. So in my case, paratrooper, you know, everybody hits the ground hard um, and you mess your knee up on a jump. Okay, if that gets put into your records, that would be covered because it's uh, hazardous duty. And then the fourth broad category is called instrumentalities of war. So anything we use to fight wars or do training with, uh, if that causes an injury. So a, a, a prime example of that would be Agent Orange. If you had a disability caused by Agent Orange, that would fall into this program and there's lots of those so if you have something that falls in one of those four categories um, then then what you have to do is you actually have to apply this isn't automatic you have to apply and it's kind of like you have to apply to your branch of service so you guys would have to apply to the navy i had i would have to apply to the army and i actually did do this i do this is one of my benefits you have to apply and you have to provide the medical records that show that it falls into that category and what what the issue is it's in some ways it's it's somewhat similar to what the VA does in terms of reviewing records and determining disabilities Uh, and so the branch of service is the one that pays us Um, you actually get paid by DFAS under this program you have to have at least a 10 percent disability so it's a lot lower threshold than CRDP which was 50 percent 10 percent and you have to be collecting retired to get to get CRSC
0: the good thing about that that. that's that's not taxable income now absolutely whenever that comes in so you know on top of some of the other state benefits like the the real estate personal property tax exemptions and Mm -hmm. you know education benefits that are through the states like that's enough you know we talk about that all the time on here too is like people don't take advantage all the time or they don't even know about some of the benefits that their state has
2: they don't, and 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 that actually, um, there was a Congress passed a law back in 2010 in the National Defense Authorization Act to cause. Uh, so the Army's response to that law was to create the thing called My Army Benefits, uh, and that is it's a consolidated benefits website. We, I run that, and I also run My Air Force Benefits for the Air Force. And it's a consolidated benefits website, which tells you all your benefits in one place. So because every state and U.S. territory taxes things differently, that's a great place to go. So what I would urge people to do is to go into Miami Benefits. Up in the menus in the top is a thing called Benefit Library. You click on that. And it'll give you three options. Federal fact sheets, state fact sheets, and resource locators go into the state fact sheets and click on your state and read the pages of of, uh, information that your state provides you, that you may not be aware of. Like for example, Texas, everybody knows they're veteran friendly. Well, they've got uh, the Texas land grant program, which is a great thing, uh, which I can't really all explain here, but you can go into the fact sheets and read about it. Um, Interesting that, uh, and I've been doing this actually on LinkedIn, uh, three states recently have changed their tax laws or completed it uh, to stop taxing retired pay. Arizona this year has, has stopped taxing retired pay. Utah has stopped taxing retired pay. And Indiana on the 1st of January will finish its four-year phase in, and it'll stop taxing retired pay. These things change all the time, so that's what the value of Miami Benefits is. Um, the fact sheets are updated annually, so any changes in laws are there. Yeah, and I, you
0: know, I, I tell folks all the time, don't let that be your one uh, factor, determining factor for whether or not you're going to live somewhere when you retire, because when you look at it from a whole package. So one guy we had on here, one of the early guests, Jose Nicola, he he works with the Navy Wounded Warrior Program. He lives in Chicago because of his VA disability rating he saves $14,000 a year on his personal property taxes.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm.
0: like that's, that's, oh man, that's, you know, he's like, I wouldn't be able to live in this house if I had to pay the, because per- that's, you know, you're looking at $1,200 extra a month on a house payment with that. Right, so.
2: and, and, and you have to know about these. So, so that's the purpose, that's why Congress created the law so that anybody can go in and figure out what there's, what their benefits are.
0: I I remember another conversation, uh, that we had had, um, you had, you had said something about, you don't like, um, you don't like calling
2: retired soldiers, retirees. Why is that? Um, so yeah, I, I don't, uh, and there's, there is a reason for that. Uh, There's a couple reasons, uh, but it's actually, let me say this. It is in so I'm a proponent for an army regulation about the retirement services program. And then there, it actually says it as army policy that we will refer to them as retired soldiers, not retirees. And the, the concept behind that is when you retire, we're not gonna take the title soldier away from you and call you a retiree. You know, that you're not, you're something less than a soldier now that you've left. Um, we're still gonna call you a soldier. We just call you a retired soldier and we capitalize the R in retired because it's part of the title. So you're still a soldier or a soldier for life as opposed to being an Army National Guard soldier, active duty soldier, you're a retired soldier. You're still part of the family. Now, my father uh, was too young to serve in, in Vietnam. He was in school during the Korean War and then he was too old for, I'm sorry, he was, too young for World War II. He was in school during the Korean War and then he was uh, too old for Vietnam. So he never served and he didn't enlist or anything. He never served in the military. When he retired, he was a retiree but he never had any military service. And there is an interesting fact, 0.6% of Americans are retired from the military. Six-tenths of one percent. Hmm. But how many millions of Americans are retirees? A lot more. Well, it's, it's
0: getting, what is it, right now, I think, because of the baby boomers are retiring at a rate of about 10,000 a day.
2: Yeah, we're, we're, we're graying of America, you know? And, and so there are lots of retirees out there, but there's a select class that devoted a career to defending the country and their title is soldier Taylor etc you guys can, can talk to the Navy about that but so the Army wants to call them retired soldiers because they are and because we talked before they still have a mission and so uh, they're still soldiers yeah we don't call them retirees one other thing I wanted to do I know you said you
0: like to play stump the chump so I'm gonna I'm gonna have a go at it all right let's see if I can
2: if you can stump the chump,
0: the extraordinary heroism benefit.
2: The that's the benefit uh, for the medal of honor and the uh, distinguished service cross. Um, the extra ten percent on retired pay if you mm-hmm. are awarded one of those uh, those medals. It's actually lower than that. Um, yeah, it goes one below the silver star, I think, also.
0: Yep. Uh, actually, mine got approved for a bronze star with V on it.
2: Interesting. I've not heard that. I always
0: thought it was the top three. So, well, it's, if you look at, you know, it's uh, for the Army, it's Title 10 of the U.S. Code Section 3991. Not that I, you know, prepared for that. (laughs) For the Navy, it's uh, Title 10 of the U.S. Code Section 6330. But it it states uh, it has to be, the request has to be submitted to either the, the service secretary So for the Navy, it's Secretary of the Navy. For the Army, Secretary of the Army, uh, I didn't even bother to look up. I know the Air Force has an instruction. That stuff's all kind of the same. But it's for enlisted soldiers. Uh, Officers don't qualify for it. Um, But, yeah, if if it gets approved, you know, there's instructions, service-specific instructions on those. Um, you get so minded, you know, I retired as a, a senior chief in E8 at 20 years, but because of that, uh that got approved. I actually retired with 60% of my base pay. Um, it's something that's not well known, you know, for a lot of people. And I was like, oh, yeah, I I'm surprised right. you didn't know about that.
2: Um but yeah, so you yeah the extra 10% on top of the 50% for 20 years.
0: Yep. And I, so I wasn't sure, you know, if you maybe had an inside track on that, if, if it's for anything lower than that, because I had heard people say anything lower than a bronze star won't get approved, but I've heard people who have had comms with V's who said um, it's eligible. It's just a
2: matter of whether or not it'll get approved. Yeah. Um, so you're the first person that I have talked to, actually, who who actually has this. Um, I, I knew of the law, um, and, and what I had read was that it was it was the top three Silver Star and above. So, so interesting that you're the first person I've talked to, and also you got it for a star with for Valor. So um, did you stump me? Yeah, you kind of sort of did. I mean, I got almost all of it. Uh, all right. I, I gotta a, give it to you. I'll you, take you, a half point. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's uh, that's good. And, and you know what? The reason I placed the Chum, and, I, and the reason I the place I usually do that is when I go to a retiree appreciation day, and I'm talking to a, a large group of retirees. Um, and, and there, it's multi-service, so I use I do use retirees there when I'm talking to a group of Navy, uh, Army, mm-hmm. Air Force, Marines, uh, all in one. I play stump the chump with them. And the reason I do that is because I started it when I first started doing, it, doing this business. One, because uh, I don't like to be wrong. Uh, and number <laughs> two, is it, it, was, it was a way for me to always remember. Now, I'll do my research on, on what we just talked about and no one's ever gonna stump me on that question again. So I Good. do get stumped <laughs> periodically. But that that forces me to go get into the weeds, make sure I know it. And since I don't like to be wrong, um, I won't get caught short on that one again.
0: Yeah. Well, like I said, that's Title 10, Section 3991. That's where it's right. at. And I don't know what the Army-specific instruction is. on. I just know that those all go back to the, to the U.S. code. So, cool. Yeah, I – You know, I've I've appreciated you coming on here and sharing your time with us, Um, you know, because I've I've learned a few things here, too. And I, you know, for one, like I've kind of I really appreciate what you guys do, what the Army does. And I hope that kind of maybe lights a fire um, for the other branches to do that, too, because I guess not to rant too much. But, you know, for all you guys that are listening that are getting ready to retire, don't have that attitude of somebody else needs to do it for me because it will not serve you well in your next career. Right. You need to take charge of this stuff and own it and figure out like, Hey, you know, what are are the things that I need to do for myself? Because if you still have that attitude, when you get into the civilian world, the world will not be kind to you. So, (laughs) Um, but yeah, there's tons of people who would love to help you out, but you know, at the same time, learn how to take care of yourself. So Mark, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, Mike, what you got?
1: Well Mark, I like I said earlier, I'm extremely envious of the program you get to run. Uh, I'm extremely envious of the passion that you have for it. Um, if the Navy would ever bring this on board, uh, I'm in 100%. Uh, I'd be more than happy to, to, to get in on it and uh, it's just absolutely, it's something Trevor and I are passionate about the veteran transition space altogether together. And, and it's just one of those things that I would absolutely i have to set my alarm clock to, to do, to just impart knowledge on folks to set them up for success to, and to see that from the way you guys are the soldier for life, to see something come on board, like the sailor for life, to see that manifest in, and in, 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 in at least my lifetime, I would love to see that. And, and just. Well, to- you,
2: you've got an advocate. You should reach out to the, the Navy Marine Corps Retiree Council. Um, they are actually pushing along these lines. Uh, one of the other things I, that I do is I manage the Army's, the Army Chief of Staff's Retired Soldier Council. Uh, and so we interact with the, the Navy Marine Corps Council co-chairs. And I know that they're supportive of this. Uh, so you might uh, reach out to them. I I absolutely do that.
1: Yes. Thanks for being on today. I think you're uh, a wealth of knowledge and, and I I don't think Trevor stumped you very well. I mean, I think you, you were pretty much all over it. We'll call it a half stump. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, you guys are are really great to do what you're doing. Um, And, you epitomize the soldier for life mindset, uh, and, and, and taking care of, uh, veterans and, and helping people with their transition. I mean, this is, you're, you're, you're living. Uh, and so I really appreciate you having me on and giving me the opportunity to talk to people. I know we've gone way over time and this is going to be a, a podcast for now a long podcast, uh, maybe you can edit it down some, Um, but, uh, there's just, it's such a a good thing that you're doing and I really appreciate what you're doing. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for being a part of it. Um, we're, we're equally grateful on our side too. So Hey guys, Mark Overberg, um, definitely connect. Where's a good spot, uh, the best spot for people to connect with you?
2: There's two ways you can, you can, uh, uh, reach me on LinkedIn. So link to me there. Um, and, uh, or if you want to shoot me an email, you can shoot me an email to, it's an easy one, armyrso at mail.mil.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'll throw that in uh, whenever we do the notes for the show. We'll, we'll add the links to those websites in there and that email address as well. So, Mark, thanks so much for coming on today.
2: All right. You guys have a good day. Thanks, Mark.
0: Take care. Thank you for listening to the Get to Vet podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and follow us on LinkedIn. If you'd like to come on the show, email us at Mike or Trevor at gettovet.net. That's get the number two vet.net, and let us help
2: you get to vet.